Let's give a hand for the praise and worship team. That's wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, James. Good morning. Good morning. That is what the Lord says to you. Good morning. He's so pleased to be with us as we are pleased to be with Him. Now, I know that there are visitors this morning, uh, first-time people that have been here. We just want to say welcome. If you're over this side, you're very welcome, and over here, you're very welcome. And, and, and here, you, your first time? Wonderful. So, if you see these people scattered around, first-timers, please go and say hello. Please say hello to them. It's, so, it's just so important because this, is, this here is about family. You know, this isn't a, a religious kind of get-together. It's, it's to get together to honor Him. That's what we're here for this morning. So, this morning is quite special because Pastor Dave and Faye are out sunning themselves. I saw a photograph of them on the sunbeds enjoying it, and uh, so they should. So they should. But this morning is special because within King's Church, there are various departments that do different things of outreach. And we have one department which is called Prison Ministries. And their calling is to go into prisons, and as Mick has already said, about reaching those that are in prison within their heart. And it talks about the, um, the armor of God putting on the shoes with the eagerness to carry the good news of Jesus. And that is what the prison ministries do. They've got their boots on ready to go into the prison, and Dave and Stella Saunders, who head up the department, are going to be speaking this morning. So, for us that have not been in prison, praise the Lord, <laughs> praise the Lord, um, we might here give us an indication of how blessed we are, blessed that we haven't had to experience that life. But all things work together for good for those that love God. And the few people that I've met that have been in prison, that have come to salvation, are so on fire. So on fire for God because they realize of the old life that they had to this blessed encounter with Jesus. It just revolutionized them. So, Dave, would you like to uh, come up and give Dave um, uh, a clap? I'm getting old. I need my notes. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, grant us peace. 
My words today have the title, If It Be Your Will. Let's look at some facts about our prison ministry. We're a small team. Sorry, I was looking for the names to come up. Ah, our team, we've got Mick. Mick's just prayed. We've got Paul and Helen. We've got Cynthia over there. And this Stella and myself. And if you were to ask us why we came into the prison ministry team, we would all have different reasons. But there's a center core to all of our reasons. Because at some stage we all realized we were doing the will of God. I'm going to apologize today for keeping having to look at my notes. I'm, I'm getting old. Oh, I used to be able to do this and stand up. And I knew what I was going to say and it would just flow. But now I go, what was I going to say? <laughs> Forgive me if I keep looking down. Some facts. Look, that's our team. We go into six prisons. We go 20 times a year. And we've done that for 24 years. I noticed somewhere, oh, Carol, Carol was in the team many years ago. We've had Dave Escott, we've had Faith, we've had Becky, and the team changes. But the desire to do the will of the Lord runs through us. There's a fact that's going to come up in a moment. A fact that actually, I know the Lord doesn't want us to be proud. But I'm proud of it. Our team has taken the word of the Lord to 32,000 prisoners in 24 years. And what do we see? I've got to be honest, most Sundays, nothing. The prisoners come in. Oh, the music Paul and Helen and Dave Escott used to bring. It's tremendous. It, it speaks to their soul. And then we take it in turns to preach. Actually, the others are better at preaching than me. I just tell stories. But we see the changes. We see men and women. We might have seen them year after year. And then they're out and then they're back. And it's year after year. But so many of them who said, I don't want to be like this anymore. I've given my heart to the Lord. How can he help me? 
You see, we go in. I'm going to tell you an incident a few weeks ago. Uh, sorry, a few months ago. And we were in Park Prison in Bridgend. And it was my turn. And we do two services. And it was my turn to preach. And I, I used to be a teacher. So I, I did the usual teacher thing. I'm watching the prisoners coming in. And I'm thinking, mm, keep an eye on him. He could be the one who's going to shout out and disrupt. And I'm watching them come in and I said, I was stupid. Oh, I, I said to the Lord, Lord, it looks as if it's going to be a tough day today. Oh, I wish I hadn't. There was a clear voice in my head which said, you don't choose who you take my message to. You are just the messenger. The Lord's very good at teaching us lessons, even when we don't want to listen to them. So we don't choose. We meet so many different prisoners. We don't ask them why they're there. If they want to tell us, they can and we'll listen. And I can remember a man saying, he told me of his crimes. They were horrendous. It was a one-off crime, but it was still horrendous. And he said, how can the Lord ever forgive me? And I said, I don't know. But I do know that the Lord can and the Lord will. And the Lord will because it's his will to do it. In Luke 5 verses 32 it says, I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repent. And Luke 15 7, I tell you the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous who do not need to repent. We've been called by God as a team to go into prisons. We don't judge. We don't select. Who is the prisoner that deserves God's blessing? That's not for me to choose. That's for God to decide. I've got to tell you, Stella and I were talking to Dave and Faye this last year. I'm 71 year old. Stella is much younger. And we were saying, look, a lot of the prisoners now are 18, 19, 20. They're in their 30s. At 70, I don't know how, how much more I'm relevant to them. So Stella and I prayed. 
we said, Lord, you know the work we do. If you want us to hand over this, let it be your will. We're still waiting for an answer. <laughs> the opening prayer today, I, I first heard it in Latin. And you stay, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Miserere nobis. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. And it's repeated again. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, grant us peace. When we go into prisons, because all the chaplaincies are based on Anglicanism, Anglicanism. Those words are said in the communion, the Eucharist, that service that reminds us that our God, through Jesus Christ, at the time of the Last Supper, made a commitment to us, made a communion with us. It's a new covenant, as Paul said. And in that service, those words, Lamb of God, that statement, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and then there's a call for help. Have mercy on us. That said, it's said by the prisoners. It reminds them before the chaplain or the priest. Oops. Gives them the emblems. The wine to represent the blood. The bread to represent the body. They're making a commitment to our Lord in that service. But it's not withheld from them. Anyone in that service who wants to receive communion, receives communion. It mirrors what the, our God does for us. Matthew 26 verses 26 and 28 says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, He broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when it had been given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In those communion services, the Eucharist services in the prisons, just before that prayer is said by everyone in the congregation, there is a minute of complete silence. A silence where we're asked to think about our sins, 
to think about our week, our days, and what we've done, and what we want the Lord to forgive us for. It's also a silence where we can say, thank you, Lord, for this week, for keeping me safe, for protecting me. Thank you, Lord, this week for not letting me slip away into sin. And that covenant is there because of the will of our God. Let me tell you a little bit about accepting the will of the Lord. We're in Park Prison. Only a few weeks ago. We've been going in, as I said, for 24 years, but this last two years, three years, because of COVID, we've been restricted. We've only been into one prison this last year. It's been Park Prison. And we haven't even been able to take the whole team in. It's just been Stella and I. And again, in Park Prison, it's two services. This time I'm doing the first service. Stella is doing the second service. We've got first service 40, 50 men. And in the second service, we've got 70 men. And they don't have to come to prison, uh, to the prison um, chapel. It's their choice to come. And I'm standing there thinking, don't say to the Lord, this is going to be a tough day today, David. You've learned that lesson. But I'm standing there. Th and a man walks in, looks at me, and he says, that's her. That, that's her, isn't it? And I looked at Stella, and she ignored me. And he came to me, and he said, that's her. She preached last year in Cardiff prison. And I was thinking, well, we haven't been in Cardiff for two years, so it's about two years ago. And he said, she stopped preaching. And she looked at me. And she gave me a message. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, I can remember this. I am blessed with an absolutely amazing wife in Stella who is a, an incredible woman of God and her prayers reach the very heart and soul of people. And I remembered she, she was preaching a sermon on we have a God of even the little things. And it's a it's a big Victorian chapel in Cardiff. And as she's preaching, she stops. And she looks at the 70 men and she just looks at the small group. And then this prisoner, Marcus, in Park Prison, then reminded me what the rest of the story was, which I didn't know. He said... She looked at me.
and she said, the Lord doesn't want you to hurt yourself anymore. I thought, oh yeah, I remember that. And at that point in Park Prison, when he's told me that Stella has told him that, he raised up his sweatshirt sleeve. It had 50 scars down his arm. Cuts by razors, cuts by knives, cuts by glass. And they were all healed. He said to me, since she told me that, I haven't cut myself since. And he rushed over to Stella and thanked her. And, and, and as we're driving home, Stella said, oh, yeah, I can remember that. She said, I, I, I don't know why I said it. I hadn't planned to say it. It wasn't part of my sermon, but there I am. And as I took a step to say something else, the Lord said, in my mind, in my thoughts, and then in my mouth, tell them, the Lord, I don't want them to hurt themselves anymore. I say we go into prison because it's God's will. We do that regularly. We take a message in and we don't know why we're taking the message really. We don't know what effect it will have. Because what we see, it's too easy to see the crimes and what they've done. We don't know what the Lord has planned for each one of them. We don't know when we go into prisons that the message we give, what effect it will have on their lives. But we do know we do it because it's God's will. I had the honor last year to, to be able to preach from here again, and I, I preached about the 23rd Psalm. It was interesting because Dave Edwards had preached the week before on the 22nd Psalm. And, and when I preached that, I roamed the stage. Almost like a shepherd chasing the sheep. And then I went back this way. And I stood over here and spoke some more. And poor James, who was on the camera, he was going, I must have made him seasick. But today, I stand on this rock. You would have seen me put two markers down. Yeah. Partly. So I've given myself a space that the cameras can, can just focus on. But there's something greatly significant about those markers. A New King James version of the Bible. An NIV version of the Bible. 
They're there for a reason, not just that I've got something in my sight. Don't. They're there because it's taken me years to realize that if I'm going to do God's will, I should not step outside his word. So they're there for that reason. But by the side of our bed, on the floor, I have a Bible. It's on the floor because the cabinet where you put everything, according to Stella, is full up. It's got watches on it. It's got iPads on it. It's for reading because I didn't keep it awake by reading with the light on after, right? It's got so much on it, there's no room. So I put my Bible on the floor. But it's a symbol. When I wake up in the morning and I step out of bed, I am stepping into the word of the Lord. And we try and give that word of the Lord to the prisoners. The title, If It Be Your Will, comes from a Jewish prayer. It's a prayer which says, Lord, I want to do this. And it doesn't say, Lord, I want to do this, so I want you to help me do this. It's not a prayer where we're saying, Lord, I want you to give me. Too many times in my life, I have prayed prayers. I've prayed prayers with a Judas heart. Judas wanted the Lord to be the Lord in the way he wanted him. Not in the way the Lord wanted, not according to the Lord's will. So sometimes I've said, Lord, Lord, look, I want, I want. I want you to heal my ankle. I'm limping a bit with it. But I've come to learn to say, Lord, if it be your will, this will happen. Lord, I would like to, but only if it be your will. I learned about this Jewish prayer in a very strange way. I, I love all sorts of music. I love opera. But I also love the songs by the Canadian poet Leonard Cohen. And he wrote a song, If It Be Your Will. If it you be your will that I speak no more, that my voice be still as it was before. From this broken hill, all your praise shall ring, if it be your will. There's a later verse, it's, let your mercy spill on those burning hearts in hell if it be your will to make us well. You see, a lot of prisoners we meet are there because they've committed horrible crimes. But about 80 or 90% of them are there because at some stage in their lives, they've made the decision 
to become involved in drugs, to take drugs, which lead them to robbery, to sell drugs, and their lives are that. And yet we go in and we preach about mercy and redemption, but we preach a message and it's consistent, which says it doesn't have to be like this. And where you are struggling to change, the Lord can help you. That's the core message. Our Lord can change you. But to change you, you have to accept that they're the Lamb of God. They can take away the sins of the world. I keep looking up. I've got a timer up there and it tells me when I've got to stop talking because I'm terrible. I'll talk for too long. I, I want you to think. I want you to imagine a back street in Jerusalem. And as you go into the back street, if you were the camera, you go along and you see a man in a doorway huddled in his coat, hiding, ashamed. He hears the people running around the other streets in Jerusalem, shouting out, they've arrested Jesus. They've taken him away. He's, he's being dragged away to Caiaphas, the high priest, and to the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin. And this man is ashamed because he has denied three times knowing Jesus. Not just once, not just twice, not just three times. You know this is Peter. You see, this is the same Peter who... Only a few hours before, when they come to arrest Jesus, he takes out, according to John, his sword, and he cuts off a servant's ear. And our Lord rebukes him and says, Peter, no, no. This is the same Peter who, when he was out fishing, and the Lord is on the water, professes his faith and gets out of the boat and you know what's going to happen. Peter goes under. This is the same Peter who declares that the Lord is the Messiah. When Jesus, this is Matthew 16, verses 3 to 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist. Others, Elijah. 
and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus asks them, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter says clearly, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus turns to Peter and says, I tell you that you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church. And yet, despite Peter saying, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, when the pressure comes on, Three times he denies knowing Jesus. Now at that point there, you would expect God and Jesus himself to turn away from Peter. To say, you denied me. When I needed you, you denied me. But we have a God who has a will to forgive. I'm just looking for the quote. After the crucifixion of Jesus, Peter has, sorry, before the crucifixion of Jesus, Peter has got away he's got back to that room where there were so many of Jesus's followers his mother and brothers were there and he got back to them and they hid because they were afraid of being arrested and Peter had the guilt of knowing what he'd done but I said our Lord if it be your will One day, Peter goes out in a boat. And Jesus appears to him. This same Peter that had denied him. He appears to him. A little later in Acts. Spirit of the Lord comes down and tongues of flame appear on the followers and they're speaking in tongues and it's Peter who stands up and says these men are not drunk it's early in the morning he said what's happening is that they're fulfilling the prophecy of The prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit in these days. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. And everyone who comes. Sorry. And everyone who calls. On the name of the Lord. Will be saved. Peter. 
a little later, John and Peter are going to the temple, and there's a, a man there who's lame. He's been lame either from birth or many years, and he, he's begging, and he calls out, and he wants money. And Peter says, I, I don't have money. I don't have silver or gold. But in the name of Jesus as of Nazareth, walk. And the man jumped up to his feet. And he ran with them into the temple courts. So why have I told you that story? What's that got to do with prisoners and prison ministry? I wanted to illustrate... Peter had a great faith, but Peter had so many weaknesses. He's like all of us. When we go into prisons, the people we meet, some of them have had a great faith. Some of them are beginning to come to a great faith. But the way the Lord treated Peter is the way that the Lord, we believe in the prison ministry team, wants us to treat the prisoners. We don't condemn them for what they've done. That's for the courts, the legal system, but more importantly, it's for our God. What we do is we take in that message, the message of hope and peace and love and mercy and redemption. We take in a message that allows them to understand God's love. And they then make the decision to change. We don't work miracles. We don't go in. Same happened to Saul on the road to Damascus. We don't look at a prisoner and go, and their heart changes. We take them a message, a consistent message, that lets them make that decision to follow the Lord, to accept God's will. I'm going to give a signal to James, James now because he knows to bring the musicians up. In Luke 22, we realize 22 verses 41 to 42. Accepting God's will is difficult. Because immediately before his arrest, Jesus walks on the Mount of Olives and he kneels and prays. And he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. I'm going to close with a very very short prayer.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you very much for listening to me. Dave and Dave has spoken about the work that's done in the prisons and more importantly God's work because it's not us it's God's work in the prisons Dave spoke about weaknesses about our will versus God's will about the mercy of God forgiveness on both sides, us to forgive them, them to forgive us, and God to forgive all of us. But the possibilities for change. And for whatever reason you're listening this morning, Dave has also prepared you for a personal question. And that is, do you know that the Lord loves you? This is worth repeating. Do you know that the Lord loves you? He made you. He created you. He loves you. All this is put on to get your attention. He loves you. Be assured, it doesn't matter where you are, what you've done, what your circumstances are, God looks past all of that. He sees you. And he would love to help you and to come into your life and step out with you. Meet him. So simply pray this prayer if you wish to do just that. Heavenly Father, I have heard your words today and I know that I am not the best person I could be. And I know that you sent no less than your own son, Jesus Christ, to show me your way of living. So I'd like to receive your ways through acknowledging that Jesus died on that cross and his blood and only his blood can redeem me, can save me and set me apart. Loved and protected and to be directed by the very living God, almighty God himself. Please save me, Lord. In the name of of our precious Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you prayed that prayer, please just let us know. Tell us, write to us, receive a Bible from this church, come to another service. 
Come and see and taste how good the Lord is.